Welcome to Breakthrough, the podcast that helps you to get unstuck, move forward, move on, and finally break through to that next level that you have been looking for. I'm Mickey Ruthman, transformational breakthrough coach, speaker, and author, and your host right here on the Breakthrough Podcast. So get ready to break the barriers and break the limitations, and let's dive right on into this week's episode of Breakthrough. My guest on today's episode, Dr. Eleanor Mayer is a medical doctor with a PhD in medical ethics. She is a part of an interdisciplinary team in squatter camps, working as a community developer for holistic health, basic needs and self-development integration. She is also a wife and a mother, a writer and a guest speaker on topics like spirituality and health. And in her most recent endeavor, she's one of the entrants of the prestigious Mrs. South Africa 2020 title. It is my absolute pleasure to welcome Dr. Eleanor Mayer to the Breakthrough Podcast today. Hello there, beautiful souls, and welcome back to the Breakthrough Podcast. So as you heard in the intro to today's episode, I have another amazing guest lined up for you on this week's episode. She's a thought leader and a change agent, specifically on the topics of physical health and spirituality. And we dive really deep into the parallel between our physical health and our emotions and our beliefs and our past experiences from our childhood. Now, in this episode, we also dive deeper into a specific method to work with these things that is called inner child therapy. Now, guys, it is not something woo-woo. It's not something new age. It is used in a variety of practices out there. And I personally used it myself on my journey. I use it in my own coaching practice as well. And the reason that I support this method is because I saw the results that it rendered for me on my own journey to healing and changing my life. And I've seen the results that it showed for my clients as well when using this method of healing. So do stay put if inner child therapy is something you're interested in or you want to know more about because we dive quite deep into it. We really make it simple and easy for you to understand and Eleanor gives you a couple of tips as well as to how you can begin to connect with your inner child and really begin working with those experiences to not just change your current experience of the world around you and your past, but also the trajectory of your life. Because everything that we're doing on a daily basis, guys, is really subconsciously connected to something from our past or a belief or an emotion. And like I said, it's all subconscious. So we're not even usually aware of it. And something like inner child therapy can really help bring those things to the surface. So you can work with them and you can heal them. And as you heard as well, we're talking about the parallel between our physical health and things like, you know, our beliefs and our spiritual beliefs and our emotions as well. So if that is you guys, do stay put. This episode is jam-packed with golden nuggets and I hope you're going to enjoy it. So without further ado, let's welcome Dr. Eleanor Mayer to the Breakthrough Podcast. So guys, it is my absolute honor today to welcome Eleanor Mayer to the Breakthrough Podcast. Welcome, Eleanor. How are you? Hi, I'm so happy to be with you, Mickey. Thanks for inviting me to talk with you today. Oh, it's lovely having you, Eleanor. So we're going to chat today about inner child therapy. But 
I know you have a very powerful story as to how you got into what you're doing today. And I'd love for you to just tell our listeners a little bit about that as well. So I'm a medical doctor and I remember very clearly in my second year, I actually started getting a rash and some abnormality around my nails. And I went to speak to one of the qualified physicians at the university and he said to me, I think you have some sort of diagnosis that I don't even want to mention. And I realized later on as I rotated through the surgery rotation that I started developing abdominal symptoms as if I had a surgical problem. And then it hit me that my emotions and my psyche and what I was seeing in other patients were actually mimicking also in my body. And so I started working a lot more and focusing on the spirit and the soul components of health and well-being and also of disease. And later on, I specialized in medical ethics that focuses on principles that guide us in practice and give a framework because I saw as a medical student and a young doctor so many boundaries being overstepped and patients not honored for the whole person that they were. And subsequent to that, I did a PhD that I qualified in this year. And my PhD is on spirituality and treating patients for the whole person that they are, but also looking at community, society. So I work a lot in informal settlements, but I've also worked in the private sector, worked with health health insurance companies and with patients one-on-one and in group settings, addressing medical conditions, but looking at the psyche, the soul of the person, and also their spiritual beliefs and harnessing that for a better health outcome. Okay, so what is, what is sort of the biggest parallel between the two? What, what parallel can we draw between physical symptoms that we're having and our spirituality or spiritual well-being and beliefs? So the research was originally done by Duke University. It was a South African doctor, Franz Krumier, and he partnered with doctors and also pastors um, at Duke University. And they did a two-year study where they counseled patients from a biblical perspective on emotions. And these emotions focus on three specific areas. So if you look at the body, we are developed embryologically from three layers, the ectoderm, the mesoderm, and the endoderm. Now, interestingly enough, those three components relate to three dimensions of the soul. And similarly to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so we see that either from our will, our emotions, our beliefs, we have some fractures. We have areas that are weak. We perhaps might fall into fear as a predominant weakness. Or we might uh, feel guilty or next to guilt, they also linked self-hatred or being um, still angry at other people struggling with unforgiveness. And lastly, shame. Those three emotions that embed on our psyche or our soul have an impact on our body and very specifically on those three embryological lines or layers. And so if you struggle with fear, the cure is love. And when fear manifests, as weaknesses do in all of our bodies at times, then we see that patients struggle with central nervous system issues, skin disorders, because the ectoderm 
is that all the endoderm is the area where we see where our brain develops and also the central nervous system and then the skin. And that has a huge impact on um, the diseases that manifest. And so for many diseases, there are underlying emotions that if they are treated sometimes, and this is what the Duke study find, found, the Duke study found that these symptoms resolve when we address the underlying emotions. And the study was so successful, they actually extended the research. And if you're interested to read up on that, Franz Cronier, you can Google him. Um, he's from Stellenbosch. He has very interesting talks about this. It's one of the people I interviewed for my PhD, and I used a lot of that research in developing a model that actually addresses people from different beliefs even um, to assist them in overcoming the issues. That's, that's really encouraging uh, to hear, Eleanor, that you know, the medical science is stepping up to realize that there's more to us as human beings than just the body, which is, you know, there's, there's quite a few people at the forefront that's doing that. And it's really encouraging to hear. And um, I just want to clarify and perhaps ask you to clarify. So it's not about religion. It's more about your beliefs, your core beliefs as a person, right? So, I mean, I'm a Christian and obviously my belief system has a huge impact on how I filter the world, things that happen to me. My worldview is intrinsically linked to my beliefs. But I have seen patients that tell me I'm agnostic. And as we start exploring that, they will still believe in values and principles. They will still believe in love. I've had agnostic people tell me, you know what, I've come to realize after a year of therapy, I actually do believe in God. I'm not sure yet if it's the God you believe in, but I actually believe there is a God. And part of my issue is that I thought he would come through for me in a specific way. And I consider that as a breakthrough because it's once we are able to voice where we are and what we really believe in our core, that we can address the way that it manifests as symptoms in the body. Absolutely. And I, you know, even when I work with some of my, my clients as well, um, I usually tell them as long as you can find a connection to a God of your own understanding to start with, that is a great place to start. And I actually, I had a lady in uh, Singapore that I worked with for a while and she, she began from a completely Eastern, you know, religious side of things. She didn't believe in God at all. And um, <laughs> she told me that she was having these dreams and there was a person that kept showing up in her dreams. And in the last dream, she actually said to him, who are you and why do you keep showing up? And uh, this figure said to her, his name is Jesus Christ and he is here to introduce her to his father. So that is wow. really where I learned that um, it doesn't matter where you come from. As long as you have the come from of you've got to believe in something bigger than yourself, something of your own understanding to begin with. Yes. And it's meeting people where they are because it's really difficult for people to experience acceptance and love and then take any advice from you if you are not able to accept the patient, the person, for who they are and what they believe. Absolutely. We need to hold a space for them in love where um, they can be vulnerable and they can share, right? Yes. Okay. So I said that I'd love to explore the... Uh, a little bit about the inner child therapy and healing on this episode, simply because it's, it's something that I absolutely love and find very interesting. I use it in my practice as well. And it really helped me on, on my journey when I, you know, 
began to work with my beliefs and my core beliefs and limiting beliefs that I had. And uh, I'd love to know from you, what, just give us a description of what is inner child therapy and healing and how exactly does it work? So let me just say, because a couple of people have asked me this, um, isn't this some new age term? And no, um, inner child therapy actually comes from the work of Carl Jung. And he included the child archetype in his list when he described the various components of the individual functioning as a whole. And so Jung and Freud worked together and then Jung actually went on his own and he wrote a book called Memories, Dreams and Reflections. And in this book, he actually writes about his own childhood and how as an adult, he actually realized that he lost some of his childhood dreams. He noticed that he, as a child, loved doing creative things, but he lost that as an adult. And he started exploring those childhood memories and harnessing them to improve what he wanted to achieve as an adult. And so this became a very popular therapy tool and self-help tool even. And so people talk about the wonder child, which is that part of our beings that remembers how joyfully we played the first time we saw the ocean, how we loved going out for ice cream, how excited we were to play with our friends with cards or whatever small thing amused us at a certain age. And the opposite of that is the wounded child because all of us have experienced rejection, maybe abuse, maybe witnessed abuse, maybe we just felt unloved. And as you grow up, you're able as an adult to look back at those instances, whether it's the wonder child instance or the wounded child, and give yourself a different perspective and heal that component that could have been hurt because you didn't have the full perspective at that stage. Yeah. Is it, let me understand this correctly. So for instance, if I'm a grown up today and let's say I have a fear of rejection and I go into a relationship. Am I understanding it correctly that it's, it's not really me who has a fear of going into this relationship and experiencing rejection again? It is actually my inner child with a previous experience that is fearing that rejection. Yes. So let me just say clearly that I'm not saying there's a little child living in each of us, but the inner child is a component of our brain, of our experience, of the whole that we are. And we never lose our child, even if we suppress it. Those memories are the scaffolding that we build new memories on. So it's so true what you're saying, Vicky, especially with rejection. In fact, I had someone actually ask me advice on this this morning that said to me, I've been rejected so many times. I'm in my 30s. I'm just starting a new relationship and I'm too afraid because it has never worked out. And that is not just based on our lost or latest or the last five years experience. It starts in our childhood because um, the next person will say, yes, I failed 10 times, like Serena Williams. And had a baby. But you know what? I'm going to come back. So apparently after the sixth uh, Grand Slam, they told her, you'll never win again. And she said, watch me. And she did it so many more times and then had a baby. And then they said, your career is over. And she came back and she won 21 titles. 
And I think it's the mindset that we create. Is it going to be the wonder child? Am I going to take that hurt experience where, yes, I felt rejection, but now I look back and let's say someone told you when you were six years old, you know what, you're not beautiful enough. And someone told you at school, you look ugly. And you take that little experience. And then at 12, someone says to you, you look fat in that dress. By 21, if that's the only thing you build into your life, you'll never have the confidence to feel pretty no matter how good you look. But you can use inner child therapy to go back to that memory and say to yourself, that was another six-year-old. He knew nothing of me, who I am, where I'm going, or perhaps even looks. So why would I actually use that experience to now predict what's going to happen with the rest of my life? We do that because it lies in our subconscious. Now, once we make it aware and we rise into the higher order thinking and we take the subconscious memory and we actually make it something that we discuss with critical thinking and we build new memories around that, we reconstruct that experience. I think you, you touched on something very key there because I think a lot of people don't realize that it's, it's not even conscious things that we're aware of. Most of the stuff is in the subconscious. It's subconscious patterns that we're playing out on a daily basis um, because of our childhood experiences. Yes, absolutely. So one of the things that I've seen, for instance, is one of the people that I've counseled um, only dated blonde women. And so I had to ask, why is it that you've only dated blonde women? And this related back to an experience of a teacher he was very fond of very early on in his life. And so we build characters around preferences because of, because of past, experience, past experiences. And we can do that in a good or a bad way, but sometimes we don't realize that that preference can actually keep you back. Because you can actually lose out on the love of your life because you're looking for a blonde. <laughs> and I, I think it's, that's so true. And it's what a lot of people don't realize is we're, we're perhaps speaking in a personal capacity now, but it does. It affects you in, in all of your life, in your career, in business, um, in anything you really take on, right? Yes, absolutely. It holds people back. So um, another example would be you, uh, you always work for a boss that treats you badly. You always choose that guy that somehow never gives you the limelight you need or never acknowledges the work that you've contributed or makes you feel less or actually just doesn't value you because you're a woman and not for the co-worker that you are. And those experiences often relate back to how we saw men and specifically important male figures in our childhood treat women. And so although we don't like it, we go back to it because it's familiar. Oh, absolutely. I, I can actually give you a good example of that and I'd love to hear your take on it. But when I did inner child therapy, um, I was working with a belief that I was not good enough at that stage. And I always say the way I see the mind working is it kind of takes you back to your most recent experience first and then it kind of goes, oh, okay, we're doing this, we're going further back. And then it tends to bring up more stuff. And I remember working with it that something I forgot about that happened when I was probably, I think I was in standard one, 
Uh, now, my dad was a single man raising us as kids. We knew my mom very well as well. But I never saw my dad with a woman ever before in my life because my parents got uh, divorced when I was seven months old already. And if my dad was dating, he was hiding it very well from us. But I remember that he, he did bring someone home once, someone that he started dating. And I happened to see them kissing and I flipped out completely because here was you know, the very first male figure in my life that... I have never seen with a woman and he was kissing somebody else. This was my hero, right? And yes. um, at a stage, I, I remember shame when I think back on it now, sorry, dad, but I made his life hell and I made her life hell because I wanted her gone. And mm. um, my dad actually said to me the one day, because I said to him, he has to choose. It's me or it's her. And my dad turned around and said to me, pack your bags. I'm taking you to your mom. And, you know, today I can see how innocently he meant that and he was trying to teach me something and all of that. But just that one experience got so stuck in my mind of the very first male figure that I looked up to my everything, not choosing me. And only after I worked through that was when I could really get over that belief of that I'm not good enough. Yes, and I think it's so powerful that you're willing to share that because we all have experiences as a child where we filter it through our undeveloped, immature um, way of thinking. And it's not because it's bad. It's just because you're 6 or 12 or 15 and you might even be 18 or 21, but you might still be in a certain area of your thinking childlike. And our experiences are our primary um, beliefs, our primary needs are to be loved to feel safe, to feel that we are worthy of honor, that we are worthy of acceptance, that we are good enough. And we continuously test boundaries as children to see whether we will be accepted. And it's so powerful if you can go back to the instances where we actually came to the conclusion that we were not because of an experience. Because as an adult, you can go back and say, listen, yeah, my dad didn't have it all together. He was trying his best. Um, he also obviously had to work through his divorce, the failure of his marriage, raising kids, trying to date, and trying to find the balance between choosing a life for himself and raising happy children. And we're going to make mistakes. Um, all of us, even now as a mom, I say to my husband, you know, I realized because I was also hard on my parents and they were really loving. Uh, they're still married today. But still, I've had so many hang-ups of things that my dad didn't do. I didn't feel he spoke enough to me. He wasn't emotional enough and to connect it um, to the extent that I wished for him to be. And I remember I was 17 and he took me out. He said to me, get dressed. We're going to go for a fancy business lunch. And he took me out and he said to me, so you know I can't talk a lot and I'm not good with sharing emotions. But I just want to tell you, I do love you. And I go back to that memory when the other memories come up where I feel I wish my dad was there for me in this way. And then I give him a break and I give my inner child a break when I still have needs, especially from my husband, where I want him to love me in a specific way. And he often does. Um, and that has healed me so much. Absolutely. And I, I think it's just, you, you're 100% right in saying what we need to do is just as adults today, 
that now have the logical reasoning mind that that kid didn't have to just go back and, and reframe the story, tell yourself a different story about it. And it really isn't because our parents or the people that brought us up were bad people. Um, everybody was kind of just doing the best they could with what they knew back then, right? Absolutely. And it's true for every generation. The more we learn, the more our kids are exposed to so many different things. And I think it's also really listening to yourself. And if you have children, really listening to your children so that they become accustomed to work through the underlying feelings as things occur. And that's the best gift you can give yourself. To not just let the day go, switch on the TV and decide, you know what, bad day, I'm not going to think about it. Because the insomnia you're going to have three months down the line because you actually haven't addressed how you're feeling is going to catch up with you. And so it's important that we take the day, the night, the weekend, the moments to sit and reflect and just do nothing and work through the emotions, list firstly how we're feeling. And you can just, if you want to start with inner child therapy, um, you can just start by listing what are you feeling currently. It doesn't even have to now be connected to a specific experience. Then secondly, start recalling from your current experiences what makes you feel that way. And sometimes you'll realize there's nothing, nothing has changed, there's nothing that makes me feel this way. And then it's absolutely worthwhile to go back and start exploring where was the last major event. And it might not be major to anyone else. It might just be major to you. Um, that made me feel this way and why. And then often those experiences also relate back to smaller and sometimes bigger childhood experiences. And so it's building up the links. Because if you do regular therapy, like psychotherapy, which I'm a fan of, cognitive behavioral therapy, it focuses on changing your behavior by changing your thought patterns. It works very well, but it doesn't break the primary link. So if you have an issue because your parents were unhappily married or your dad abused your mom or you were abused and you felt your mom should have rescued you, whatever your story um, or you felt unloved as a child, you were not popular, you felt you never had a boyfriend, um, and so you felt ugly. Those lies pull through into the story we tell ourselves, and then we actually create experiences where this story becomes true. We will continue to write that story until we can say, yes, that childhood experience is the truth, or... We can use it to say, I've had that experience, but I've learned from it. And this is why it will never happen again. Not because I'm scared and I'm going to run away, but I'm going to face the emotions head on. And this time, even if something happens, it's not going to say something about me. Absolutely. And I, I think a lot of people, sort of the word inner child therapy scares people. I know in my practice as well, you know, most people are afraid to go back to the past. They've kind of locked a whole lot of stuff in their minds and past experiences that they don't want to revisit. Uh, could you perhaps tell us, you know, despite someone's fears, what, what should they do? If, you, if you're afraid of exploring inner child therapy, what are the core benefits of actually doing this? 
So, I mean, it, the first thing it can do is it actually can help you lead a more fulfilling life now because it can help you recognize your unmet needs. I speak to people so often and I tell them or ask them, tell me about your life dream. And they'll say, I don't know. I just want to get my children grown, see that they're happy. And I'm like, that's probably going to happen if you just continue doing what you're doing. But that's not really a dream in itself. What were your dreams as a child? My five-year-old tells me he wants to be a superhuman or uh, he wants to have superpowers. And he's continuously asking me, do I think he'll be able to fly? And he said to me, I don't want to fly in a plane. I want to fly independently. And I'm like, Noah, absolutely. I'm sure the technology will be commercially available by then. The first people have piloted it. The first man has flown with his son in France to school with two human flying suits. And I'm like, that's not an unreasonable dream. But somehow, at some stage, people tell you that crazy dream that you had of having your own salon, bakery, whatever it is, buying a boat and sailing the ocean, that's not practical. You have kids, you have bulls. And childlike therapy can actually just awake that wonder child and tell you, this is your only life on earth. There's only one chance. If you want to sail a boat, do homeschool, buy the boat, and have that life. Or make a compromise, buy a boat, and drive to place and have it there. But at some stage, we have to live our dreams. And we can't do it when we're 70 and too old to actually enjoy the boat. <laughs> I think it's but important for people to kind of understand that inner child therapy, it's, it's not, yes, you are working with past experiences, but you're not regressing. Because a lot of people kind of think, I don't want to look at the past. I want to focus on the future. And I often tell my clients that a lot of our issues that we have is because we've lost our child. Because when you speak to a little kid, I hear you speaking about your boy, He's got no doubt that he can fly. He doesn't have those limitations that have been put on him yet. And I think if we as grown-ups, if we can actually get back to that child that could dream big without any limitations, our lives would be very different, right? Absolutely. And so um, that the second benefit is it can raise your self-love and self-respect because reframing your narrative actually often helps you realize your self-worth and realize that you can actually love and enjoy yourself. Absolutely. And so I, I say to myself, I used my 20s to really find out who I am. And I used my 30s to start liking who I am. And I'm going to turn 40 next year. And I was coaching myself that I'm going to use my 40s to really enjoy who I am. Oh, that's beautiful. I'm in my 40s already and, and so often I have 20-year-olds saying to me, am I ever going to get to a point where I know who I am? And I'm like, no, because even me in my 40s, I'm still discovering new things about myself every single day. Yes, and I think that's wonderful that we continue to explore and discover new facets of ourselves and also find out that we might actually like something that we've never tried before for the first half of your life. And that's a good thing. And so the other benefit of doing child-like um, therapy is that you can 
offer yourself the opportunity to increase self-care because you realize where your personhood, your whole, um, that child within you still needs some care. And that's the story I think you found um, of me where I told I had this dream where I was called in as the doctor and I found the patient in the bed to be a boy and then in that moment in the dream I realized that that version or portion of my soul was me that boy was me and I had very specific issues as a child around gender and females being discriminated against and having equal opportunities which is such a high topic these days and I don't consider myself a feminist anymore I just consider myself someone that really believes in the worth of everyone and I was reading to my kids the story of where Jesus um, where the disciples brought the children to Jesus and they or the story where the parents brought their children to Jesus to bless and the disciples wanted to turn the children away and my son asked me mommy but why would the disciples want to turn the children away and I had to say to him because some people think that because you are a child because you are a woman because you are black because you are from Haiti because for whatever other reason you're different you are of less value and they were both stunned that people could think that and I realized you know what at least I did a good job because they really believe all people are equal and I really don't want the world to influence them in any way so um, just bringing balance to your story and increasing self-care in the areas where you might have experienced a hurt or believed a lie in the past um, is also one of the benefits of inner child therapy. And I think the, the last thing is we all have unhelpful patterns. We all do things that are contrary to our core beliefs, but it's because it lies in our subconscious. And if you actually address your subconscious and you resolve it, it assists you to change the patterns that you really desperately want to change. No, absolutely. We've got to change the story we told ourselves about it. Now, you've, you've ventured a little bit into this, but for someone who's now hearing this and they're interested in inner child therapy and healing, how can you suggest to them, how do they begin to connect with that inner child again? Well, I think the thought is to... Um, either start with today and go back or start at the beginning and move forward so you can either it depends also on the time that you have your personality how you want to do analysis so if you are like my husband task orientated he would probably write down 10 things he wants to achieve and a list of stuff that he's currently feeling experiencing and how that ties to what he wants to get as an output and then starting to explore what of his past narrative could unlock the wonder child or could heal the wounded child and linking that to specific things that he wants to achieve now. For another person, it might work to go back and retell your story, whether you write it down in a journal, whether you find a therapist, whether you join a counseling group there's a very nice counseling group I live in Pretoria where people 
right in. They do a counseling course through the University of Potsdam for a year, and they teach you to write down your narrative, relive your story, and they help you reframe it over that year period. Um, there's different ways, and I think depending on how critical the need and support is um, and that you have, you should decide whether you should rather get a counsellor to get you started or venture on your own and then when the need arises, go look for a counsellor. Mm, absolutely. And I know that I've uh, had a couple of clients as well that kept telling me that when I ask them to remember their childhood that they can't. Um, it's almost like they've cut it off, they've blocked it off. What would your advice be to someone who feels like they've disassociated with their child? Yes, I mean, if you're at a point where you can't even remember or if you ask yourself, how do I feel? And people uh, and your response is, I don't know what I feel. That's definitely a cry out. And that inner child, and I, I had an experience of myself where I suppressed some of the feelings that I had. And my first dream around my inner child was um, where I... I went into a house and I saw this child tied down and was literally in ball and chain against the wall. And this was 15 years ago, 20 years ago. And over that period, that's why I was so grateful when I saw this child now being in hospital. I was like, fantastic, you're getting the help that you need. It takes a lot of work to get that child just to feel safe enough to come out. And sometimes it means you have to go for intensive therapy. I'm a big fan of asking for help because everyone needs it. And discussing our issues and our experiences and reframing them with someone that is qualified in the area. And if you don't have someone like that, if there's a mentor in your life, someone that you trust through your friendship circle, through church, maybe someone at work that you feel will not compromise your current professional career that you can go and speak to and discuss these issues with, I would really say it's worthwhile. No, absolutely. I think it's key that we realize that everyone, like you said, has a past and an upbringing and a childhood. Even Donald Trump does. So um, it is, it's really important for us to, to realize because I think you spoke about shame earlier on as well. A lot of us kind of bury these things because we have shame about it. And really the truth is that everybody in the world out there is facing some of these stuff, you know, some of these things on a subconscious level as well. And you spoke now about the experience with connecting with your inner child. And I remember when I first did that, I experienced my inner child as it was almost like I was in a dark room. And I could perceive her, but she didn't want to really come out. She was sitting in a corner, kind of huddled. And the more I worked with inner child therapy and connected with my inner child, you know, it's now at a stage where whenever I go inward and connect with my inner child, it feels like she's coming and sitting on my lap and I'm giving her a hug kind of thing. So it's progressed. And I often, I often say that you can, if you really struggle to connect with your inner child, just take a photograph of yourself at that age, begin there, just look at that child and connect with her as this is me. Yes, I think it does. I mean, it's different tools for different people. You have to make the therapy or the experience, the process, the journey um, linked to your personality and 
for me, I love thinking when I'm outdoors, especially in nature. So when I'm in nature, sitting by the ocean, I can sit for hours and go back to experiences and also go forward. I'm a firm believer of God said, call forth the things that are not as if they as if they were. And I do that with my life. I, I sit and I imagine myself traveling to places I want to go, standing on podiums, discussing things I want to say to specific audiences, living a specific life. And that visualization is a godly biblical principle that helps us realize the future. But going back is often the first step towards moving forward. I love that. And I think it's actually a, a perfect note to, to end off on. So just before we go, Eleanor, I'd like to ask you if we could apply inner child therapy and healing to our day-to-day -day lives in the daily challenges we face. Is it possible and how can we do that? Yes, I do think we can. And I think the first thing is to create time for yourself to rest and rethink today. Don't necessarily unpack your entire childhood in one night, but go back to small things that you've experienced today, things that you've felt, things that make you feel uncomfortable, and really unpack those emotions, and then try and find the link. Where did this start? When was the first time I felt this way? And use those experiences to go back and retell the story so that you actually utilize the experience you have now to tell the experienced or unexperienced child of six or 12 or whatever age that that experience did not and should not define who he or she is today. That's really powerful. Thank you, Eleanor. And it was lovely having you on the Breakthrough Podcast. Please tell our listeners if they want to get a hold of you, they want to know a little bit more about the work you do out there in the community and perhaps begin with inner child therapy. Where can they get a hold of you and get all of those details? So, Mickey, you're welcome to put my email address on, but it's Eleanor Mayer, E-L-L-E-N-O-R-E-M-E-Y-E-R -E 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 at hotmail.com. They can also find me on Instagram with the same handle. And if someone wants to go for therapy and they don't know of a therapist close to them and they live in a small town or they don't feel safe to start discussing this with someone, I can recommend that they go online and look at the Harley Therapy Counseling Institute. And that, that's H-A-R-L-E-Y. And they're based in London, but they actually do inner child therapy with trained counsellors and psychotherapists via Skype counselling. So it's a different option to explore if you don't have someone close to you as a resource. Okay, wonderful, guys. And I will leave all of those details for you guys in the show notes as well. Eleanor, thank you so much for being here. It's been such a pleasure having you on. And thank you for sharing your wisdom and the work you do out there. Mickey, thank you for having me. It was such a great time discussing this with you. And I follow your journey. I know you're making a big difference. <laughs> thank you very much. I don't know about you guys, but I had so much fun doing this interview and having this chat with Eleanor because it really is a topic that is something, as you could probably hear, that both of us are very passionate about. 
and that I feel there's so much information out there about it, but a lot of it is so warped and a lot of people aren't even exploring this method of healing and therapy because they're afraid of it and because there's a misconception out there about it. So I hope that this episode has clarified some of those things for you and demystified some of the things that you may have heard about inner child therapy as well. So as you heard on the episode, you can connect with Eleanor. I have left her details for you guys in the show notes as well. And as you heard Eleanor say, guys, if you are looking for an online counselor that can help you with inner child therapy, I've left that website for you guys in the show notes as well. And if you are ready to perhaps dive a little bit deeper into your self-discovery, your personal growth and development and emotional healing, as I mentioned on this episode as well, I also use inner child therapy in my coaching practice as well. And I also use that in my ultimate life transformation program, which is a 12-week online digital program that you can do that's really going to help you to rediscover yourself. It's going to help you with your personal growth and development and your emotional healing as well. So do go check that out. I'll leave all of those details in the show notes for you guys as well. As always, I'd love to hear back from you. I'd love to hear your feedback on this episode, your aha moments you had, your takeaways from it. And if you love this episode and there's someone you know that you feel should hear this, please do share it with them. But you can just leave me a rating or a review right at the bottom here on this podcast. I love hearing back from you guys, just getting your feedback and hearing how this has helped you. And perhaps also some of your testimonials of inner child therapy and how that changed your life as well. So you can either just leave a rating or a review right here on the podcast or you can send me a DM on Instagram or Facebook or connect with me over email. All of those details are in the show notes for you as well. But do connect with me. I'd love to hear more from you about what you thought of this episode. So guys, as always, if you've been listening to this podcast before, I always play out with a song that I just enjoy or that has meaning to me or just something that I like, right? And I try to always get something that perhaps goes with the content of that episode. So this week's song that I'm playing out with is a nice golden oldie. I think it was a one hit wonder because I don't think these guys did anything else with it. But it was an absolutely amazing song that I loved back in the day when it was a hit. And although this guy is probably singing about an actual real child, whenever I hear these words of this song, it kind of resonates with me because that is, that's kind of the stuff that I would say to my inner child and how I communicate with my inner child. So I hope you guys are going to enjoy it with me. So until next week, I will see you right back here again on the Breakthrough Podcast. Have a fantastic week and I'll chat to you again soon.